Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. So here we are with Jay Butler. How are you doing, my friend? How are you finding lockdown? <laughs> Uh, strange mate I'm so used to being um, sort of active and training and teaching 24-7 and then um, so, you know, being so active for the last 11 years and then all of a sudden stop it's uh first couple of weeks weren't too bad it was like a bit of a nice holiday but it's getting very very boring now <laughs> I mean that's the reality of it though it's like an extended holiday you didn't ask for and like with that anyway yeah. obviously you build your whole structure and routine around that then like how are you finding I don't know, free time. Like, what are you, how are you spending this, you know, free time? Like, what are you doing with it? Like, how are you getting on with it? Um, obviously, obviously, where um, jiu-jitsu is like my full-time career, I sort of, um, you know, it's sort of losing your passion and your job all in one go. So, obviously, I haven't been able to work for the, the last three months. So, I've um, I just got myself into a routine, man. Like, um, I've got like a, a little gym at home in my um, one of my spare rooms. And I've just got myself into like a little habit of training, lifting weights twice a day, you know, so uh, keep myself active. Been on a few runs and that. And obviously I've got a big family, my wife and my four kids and uh, two dogs. So we've uh, obviously the kids have been, have been off school, so plenty to do around the house and that. But uh, training wise, like I said, I've just been um, just trying to get extremely strong for my sort of weight class. So when I do go back to training, I can lose a bit of this weight I've put on <laughs> and, uh, and just get back to rolling again, you know. I mean, that is also, you know, a key point in the whole diet and the rest of it. And again, it's nice having that kind of time again for your family to allocate that. Because again, when you're working and training and stuff, you just get in your own little routine of, okay, I allocate this amount of time there. That's a given. And now you have that time back. It's just so refreshing. And when it comes to yeah, your strength okay. training at the minute, is there anything you're doing specifically? Is it a certain program you're following or is it just maintenance stuff? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, well, I've got, um, yeah. I mean, I'm quite lucky that obviously training in the environment that we do, we've got a lot of professionals. I'm a personal trainer myself. And um, but I, I always go to other people. I, I prefer other people's sort of uh, opinions on my training. Obviously, people I roll with, people who can feel how strong I am and stuff. And um, we've got a really nice guy that I train with, Tom King. He's a blue belt, and Andy he, he does. Um, he wrote me a nice strength and conditioning program a few months back, and I didn't have time to do it because I was cutting a lot of weight uh, to get ready for Polaris and um, other shows that I was fighting all the time. So I didn't really want to put on too much weight. Uh, like dieting, I hate dieting. We're a big family. Like my kids like to eat out and stuff like that and make diet and sucks. So, but, um, Blaming your kids you know, so if I'd leave it, so... <laughs> what's that? <laughs> it's their fault. They make me do it. They force me to have it. <laughs> I, I do blame them. <laughs> um, and they don't help either. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. They don't help either when I'm dieting. It's all like my missus is still eat what she wants and stuff and the kids are now. It's, oh, it's painful. But I, um, yeah, I just uh, I follow a program. Tom, it's nothing fancy, mate. It's, it's just real sort of simple stuff. You know, your, your basic compound lifts and deadlifts and stuff. And uh, obviously, I've become more of a uh, nogi sort of guy now. I work a lot on sort of the grip strength stuff, you know, wrist control and that. I think for nogi, obviously, sweating, you know, slippery and stuff on the wrists, I think it helps an awful lot. So a lot of grip stuff I've been working on. So I'm looking forward to obviously getting back to training and seeing how much stronger that I've got. But I can't think my cardio is going to be too good. <laughs> I mean, that is always the trickiest thing to try and like emulate as well, because the nature of jujitsu oh, cardio God, is yes. it's so unpredictable and it's so awkward intentionally. Like, if there's anything, oh, mate, how yeah. could you how could you even write down your like 
exertion in that <laughs> how could you even track that oh mate um i love it you know the, but i think one of the best things i've heard was when i try and persuade other old friends and stuff to get into jiu-jitsu so like yeah i'll go out and get fit first i'll do some running and some swimming and stuff and I'm like it's not gonna help like there's no there's no sort of cardio on earth that can emulate rolling you know doing a couple of six minute rounds and stuff you have to roll so i've been asked before like, oh what do you do for cardio do you extra cardio no i just roll i roll as much as i can because at the end of the day, I think um, if I wanted to be a runner, I'd go running. If I wanted to be a cyclist, I'd go cycling. Same as a swimmer. Uh, I'm a grappler. I'm going to roll. That's that's why I have to push myself. It's not just I'm running, I'm running. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're moving constantly and you've got to avoid getting bits of your body snapped. You know what I mean? So it's just a cardio you can't explain to people unless they've actually rolled and done jiu-jitsu. It's mad. <laughs> well this is it as well it's almost like fartlek kind of that sort of speed play kind of thing of sort of stop start and all those unpredictable patterns and when it comes to your strength training then, yeah how do you is it how sport specific is that on that same sort of context then is it a case of trying to have one rigid structure to build on or is it a case of the dynamic chopping and changing different rep ranges like what's your usual program for example i i i, I used to do a bit of both i like a lot of explosive exercise you know obviously no i like to wrestle so a lot of, uh, you know, going from a static position to a fast moving position, you know, I mean, like, like a lot of, you know, sprints and stuff like that, that it's explosive stuff I work on. And I, and I think the biggest thing uh, above the strength and stuff for jiu-jitsu, like I said, uh, I can't wait to get back to wrong, is the cardio, is your heart rate, you know, the pace of being able to, you know, roll and roll and roll and not get tired. There's, there's nothing worse. I mean, you must have been there yourself mm. uh, when you gas out. You know, I've done it in an MMA fight before and it is the worst feeling in the world. You just want to die. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, um, it's horrible. And I fought, you know, a lot of young guys over the last couple of years and they've got that sort of push to go and go and go and go. And, um, you know, and, it, and it's something that I, I, I try and work on an awful lot. Like, uh, you know, um, I think I've done more weights while I've been stuck indoors just to keep myself occupied, you know, just to keep myself into like a routine and pass the days. But when I'm actually training, training, I, I, I'll only lift like three days a week. Uh, more, I, you know, if one of the guys who says you want to train, I would want to do. If it comes to rolling, I do jiu-jitsu or lifting. I said, let's go and roll, man, every day. You know. Well, it makes sense again. It's like what you were saying about how it's the priority if you're going to do something, you're going to train for that specifically. And again, it's always interesting yeah. asking that question. It's more a case of your, I don't know, your intention with your lifting sessions as to what the goal is. Because if you do for exertion. <laughs> you're then fatigued and then you have to rebuild again if you're trying to build certain habits because again with nogi it's often more honestly athletic for a more general term of like more explosive more i don't know it's the nicky rods opposed to the um <laughs> i don't know that sort of <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like very, yeah very you know, and I, think, uh, I think nogi is obviously a lot faster don't get me wrong i love i love rolling nogi i love i love uh, training so much like i train a lot more nogi than i do gi now um but I love getting back in the gi now and then and seeing how technical and slow it is. You know, I mean, you can actually take a breather in certain spaces and there's a lot more, obviously, thought process in it, in my opinion, because you've got the lapels to worry about and other grips and, you know, it is, it is good in that respect. But, uh, yeah, I like I just like to be explosive if I need to be explosive and, uh, you know, it's just maintain a good pace. You know, it doesn't have to be super, super fast in my no gi, but it has to be continuous. You know, you slow down in a jiu-jitsu fight and someone put ups the sort of pace on you, you're in trouble. You know, you've got to be able to maintain that. But, you know, obviously I do 10 minute round or if it's a submission only five, I've done 15, you know, to 20 minutes. It's nonstop against another high level black belt. You get tired and you make mistakes. And yeah, it's no good, man. Yeah, that's it. It's game over. 
Now, this is another interesting point. When it comes to these extended matches, how would you like to pace those yeah. things out? Do you have like a certain strategy of, okay, first like minute or so is feeling them out, then it's bang, explode, or is it a case of put it on straight away, see if they're the gaps? I, um, process on that. So, so it all depends on uh, on my opponent. I do a lot of studying. Uh, I've obviously competed a lot. The last few years, I've tried to compete as much as I can. I've been fortunate to fight some of like the best guys in my weight class in the world and um, everyone's different everybody moves differently and everyone does things different ways um, like I said I like to start a fight slow believe it or not I like to get a feel of my opponent see where he is I genuinely believe that you know you've got the making of someone in the first two minutes of a jiu-jitsu fight in my opinion you know you'll take your you know your grip up or your clinch or you, you get that feel and you think mm, uh, yeah it's gonna be a long night or no I've got this guy it's just a matter of time before I can catch him I, I've had that before and I've had it the other way around. I'm thinking, crap, I'm in a bit of hot water here. <laughs> I've got to pull something out of the bag, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I do like that feeling out process for the first minute. I'm in no rush. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's good to go the distance or it's good to have a longer fight. I mean, it's all experience, you know? And the more longer that you're in there, the more you learn about yourself and the particular person you're fighting. You know what I mean? Now, with that, oh, it's really interesting the way you're describing these different sort of scenarios. Again, what I thought was really interesting is how you said you had MMA fights and you're still calling jiu-jitsu matches fights because normally there's um that big, like, dick swinging <laughs> debate of, oh, no, it's not a fight. You're not punching each other. And you're like, oh, and then so and so. Well, you know, <laughs> I think um, <laughs> it, it, and that is, man, that is a common mistake. Define a fight. You know, what is a fight? It's uh, two, one person trying to beat another person in my eyes. Uh, you know, obviously the difference between MMA is you're not getting punched and kicked. But you're still going to get your limbs broken, your knee joints twisted, and your neck torn off. You know what I mean? So I'd say you still, in a jiu-jitsu fight, you can still get a lot of pain. So, you know, you still, yeah, I, in my eyes, it's still a fight. I'm still fighting to beat someone and make them quit, basically. And you've got to beat someone up to make them quit, you know? So in my eyes, I still class it as uh, a fight is a fight, you know? Well, this is, I think the people who argue if it's a fight or not have got too much time on their hands, I think, of all the things you're worrying about. <laughs> I mean, like, if that's or, the biggest priority, or, call it what you want, but... <laughs> yeah, 9% of them have never stepped in a cage or on a jiu-jitsu mat themselves, man. They just sit behind the computers, they like to type the stuff, and, you know, I, I love people like that, you know, uh, all power to them. Um, I think that's uh, one of the reasons that I got into uh, MMA and did an MMA fight. You know, I've had, I've had quite a few MMA fights now, but I didn't think I had the right to sort of uh, give my opinion or judge people on MMA until I've been in there and done it myself, you know? Because it's not just the the fifteen minutes you're in the cage. It's the three. It's the three months leading up to it. The pressure, the weigh-in, the weight cut, how you feel. Get you know the evening uh, of the fight, being led out to your fight, your medicals, and all that sort of stuff. And people don't understand that and how hard that actually is. And I did it for a long time, and I used to um, cut an awful lot of weight. Like I walk around about seventy-two kilos, and when I fought MMA pro, I used to fight at sixty-one kilos. So I used to do like a 10 or 11 kilo weight cut. And when I made my Bama debut, I did 10 kilos in 24 hours for that. You know what I mean? That's a lot. Of, yeah, I know. <laughs> now, I'm going to stop you there. And I want you to explain that 10 kilos in 24 hours. I'm not going to let you just skim past this. So talk me through what happened with that build and why it was gone. All right, disclaimer, so, disclaimer. I, anyone I, planning on doing this, don't do this. This is, you know, we do not condone this. I feel good for you. So um, when I um, when I first uh, fought MMA, I fought a couple of times at featherweight, 66, mm. and I, I wanted to pursue it a bit more. So I thought, um, I'm a tall guy, but I'm a thin guy. I don't pack on a great deal of muscle. So I thought, oh, I could make 61. So I got off the fight on a local show in Portsmouth, Shock and Awe, and uh, I thought um, I'd have my debut on Shock and Awe at 61. So I, um, to make the way, I actually dieted 
for a couple of months, clean eating. I mean, proper dieting to two, actually 61 kilos. So I didn't even put any weight back on after the weigh-in. So um, I, I, know I was successful. I got a submission in the third round. And then I um, decided to uh, go pro after that. And I thought to myself, I can't step into a cage with another pro bantamweight and me weighing 61 because he's probably going to weigh near enough 70 kilos the night of the fight. So I started to exp uh, you know, experiment with weight cuts and stuff like that. And I think I went from started down to 68 and then dropped the day before to 61. So I did like seven kilos the first time I did it. And I did it quite comfortably. I was, um, I'm quite good at like that mind over matter sitting in a sauna, uh, you know, we do 10 minutes in, 10 minutes in a minor out, 10 minutes out, you know what I mean? And just continues until I dropped that weight. And um, and for, for Bama, I thought I was finding a good, another good grappler. I thought I'll go in um, a little heavier. So I did, did the weight cut, but um, I started at 12 o'clock on the Thursday. I did, I, I got down to 62 and a half, got the train to Birmingham in my sweatsuit, weighed in on the Bama scales and I was uh, a pound and a half out. So I had to do another hour sauna. Uh, and this is not, oh God, my mate was sitting next to me drinking a nice cold Coke and there's me in a oh, sweatsuit. Oh, he's not your mate. I was suffering, man. I was, I was suffering. And, um, and I tell you, the hardest bit was getting there thinking, oh, maybe their scales were a little bit lighter. I'll be on and getting it. Oh, you're a pound and a half over. And it's like, oh no, I've got to go back in. That's the hardest bit is having to hmm. get back in. But I did and I made weight and, um, yeah, it, it ain't fun. Like that meant that much weight in, um, in 24 hours. There's a picture of me on my Instagram after I did it, and I, I don't look healthy. <laughs> it's madness. Now, yeah, that's horrible. an interesting sort of scenario. What you described there, I thought was really interesting. That kind of moment of, I think Greg Jackson describes it sort of reaching for the pool when you're swimming and just sort of missing missing the edge. You're like, oh no, and you yeah. have to sort of keep going. How did you find <laughs> in the fight, you sort of, did that give you a bit more like, I don't know, would you feel more of an edge to really think, okay, I've gone through so much, I need to win this, put too much pressure on yourself, or did you feel, okay? No, you know, I think, you know what, with, with me, when I, when I first started um, MMA, MMA is the reason I took up jiu-jitsu. Obviously, as 90% of us do, we watch a UFC DVD and think, oh, I want to do a bit of that, you know? So it was my wife that persuaded me to start jiu-jitsu. She said, oh, what, there's a club down the road from where we live, obviously, Andy's, and um, obviously went down, and um, started training jiu-jitsu. And I, I, I got right into the jiu-jitsu. Didn't, didn't start with the MMA, but that was my intention. And then um, I got to Blue Belt. Uh, I, was, I was just literally training as much as I could uh, at Andes. And um, a few of my friends fought on like a real dingy sort of MMA show. Uh, it's in, it was in, in Andover. There's like a little, a little uh, less than about 100 people watching you. And I called in a friend there. And I thought, do you know what? I want to give it a go. Because then I can actually say, I've done it. It's something I could knock off my list. And I can say to my kids, yeah, I thought I've stepped into a cage and I've done this. And um, so I saw, I said to the promoter, if there's anything going, I'm not thinking I'd get anything. Two weeks later, he said, oh, I've got an opponent for you. Do you want to fight? And I thought, okay. So I trained for it and sort of uh, pushed through uh, all of that. <laughs> i never forget the night of the weigh-in. I got to the weigh-in. And I, I never fought MMA in my life. You know, I, I was just an out-and-out grappler. And um, I had no striking coach at the time. I didn't do any striking. God, it was an awful fight. Um, I get to the weigh and I was weighing at 66 kilos. I'm looking around for the guy that I'm supposed to be fighting. And the, the program uh, comes up and he goes, oh, uh, the guy you were fighting has pulled out. I've got you a new opponent. And I goes, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, he's um, he's 3-0 as an amateur and 2-0 semi-pro. You'd have to fight him at semi-pro. And I was like, all right, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, but back in back back then, you know, I was, uh, what, 28 when I started doing MMA. I, um, I had no fear. I thought I just want to go in there to say that I've done it. And I went out there, and I'm not joking you, mate, I beat this guy's head through the 
cage for three rounds. I don't know how I didn't kill him. I, oh, he, I fair play to him. He wouldn't give up. I smashed him to pieces. I, I took him down, mounted him, and literally just, I was doing this four minutes, then another four minutes, then another four minutes. And then I won a unanimous decision. I thought, oh, great. That was really good. Good experience. My jiu-jitsu is strong. You know, I managed to take him down. <laughs> Why didn't I know, stop? honestly, man, like, <laughs> I've watched it back and I'm, I'm thinking how the referees are standing there looking over yeah. us. I'm thinking, <laughs> what are you doing? And then, um, and it just went from there, you know, I went, um, so Mariamasaki I then kind got of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, it was, it was shocking. <laughs> that, that way, it's, it wouldn't happen now, man, I tell you. Uh, and then, then I just went back in again and I got a really quick submission, like in the first round. Um, and then, then time went on and I went to shock and awe and I got, um, I thought in there, that's when I dropped the bat and went and got a win by rear naked choke. And then I thought I wasn't approaching 30. And I thought, I can't really stop fighting MMA until I put on the four-ounce gloves and sit and manage to use elbows and fight pro. So I um, said I'll turn pro. I got a pro fight, and I think I uh, rear naked choked my opponent until like a minute and 30 seconds or something like that. But, um, you know, and I got that. And then, then like you were talking about, like the pressure of winning sort of after a big weight cut. It was, I went, I went like 5-0. and oh real quickly, you know, real, like, uh, one decision of four submissions, you know, and I won my pro debut and I was feeling really good. And, um, and then the more you sort of win in that respect, the more pressure I put on myself, you know, and um, I then got a bad injury. Like I broke some ribs, um, uh, like a freak accident in the cage against Sali Kudakan. You know, Sali's a great fighter and he's a great guy. So I had to like quit basically in the fight where I couldn't breathe. And then, then my sort of quite not my confidence. I got another win after that. And then I went to Bama and um, I lost my Bama debut with a dislocated jaw uh, to Cameron Else. Cam's a fucking, you know, he's a monster. Uh, and then I, I signed to Bama properly after that for a two-fight deal. Day uh, of the Wayans, I was supposed to fight Chris Meir and he pulled out with an injury. And I was supposed to fight Blaine O'Driscoll in Ireland. He's now signed for Bellator. And I broke my thumb uh, two weeks before that. Oh, and, it, you know, I was, I was yeah, I... I yeah, I was having a bad, bad run, a bit of luck. And I was uh, 32 at the time. And it's got to the point where I thought, yeah, do you know what? Uh, MMA is a young man's game, you know, so I'm going to start start stopping that. And I just concentrated on teaching for Andy, you know, and just training, training jiu-jitsu. I met a good group of guys. And then that's when the whole, my jiu-jitsu sort of really kicked off. I started competing and really enjoying it. And I got the opportunity to fight on Polaris a couple of times. You know, I've been on Grapple Fest four times, Battle Grapple five times. I've lost count of how many submission shows I've fought on now. Everyone in the UK, pretty much, you know, and I just just kept it going, enjoying it more and more, you know. I mean, there's a lot there to sort of break down. I mean, <laughs> let's jump around timeline. Yeah. One thing I really, really want to get into is the way you were describing your MMA journey. It was almost like yeah. you're moving the goalpost. Like I don't feel I can. I don't feel justified to give an opinion till I've got to this point. Actually, mm-hmm. not until I get to this point, and so on and so forth. Did you feel the same with your jiu-jitsu at all? Did you feel a point that okay, I can't feel a certain way or achieve a certain thing until I've done this, that, and the other? Um, yeah, in some ways, I think there's the thing with jiu-jitsu is it's funny. It's like a lot of things. Like, there's a lot of politics in jiu-jitsu, isn't there? Everyone thinks their jiu-jitsu is better than yours or my, my coach is better than yours, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, I'm one of these guys, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a well, first-degree black belt now. You know, um, I've got my black belt from Roger Gracie, probably the best grappler ever to have walked the earth, obviously, with the exception of Gordon Ryan at the moment. You know, so I, I did earn it. You know, I earned it hard training. You know, obviously under tutelage of Randy Roberts for all these years, he's, he's been really good to me and stuff. And um, so, too many people have got an opinion. I see a lot of uh, on the underground. I don't post much on the underground, but you'll see like um, 
someone to put a move put a move in what people think of this and you'll get sort of and this is no offense i don't want to sound like i'm arrogant or a snob or anything but you get a uh, sort of stuff you white belts and blue belts will comment on that saying oh well, I, I think like, this is better that's better i should do this you shouldn't do that and so that's cool but until you've been been in the game even if you're not like a higher grade but you've been doing it for excess of 10 11 years you really shouldn't be sort of going in my opinion this is just me i wouldn't comment i just if it works for you it works for you if it doesn't it doesn't you know what i mean like some people i've been criticized in the past my man i'm not joking yeah by uh, learning a move off a white belt when I was a brown belt. I put it on my Instagram, on uh, my Facebook site. Uh, my mate, did, uh, John, I can't remember his name, now let, showed me this. And I got a comment on it saying, isn't he a white belt? I was like, yeah. I was like, he showed me this move. Uh, I've not seen it before. I used it. It works. And I've submitted other black belts with it since. And they're like, oh, you, you know, you're a black belt. You're supposed to be all knowing. I was like, no, I will learn anything and everything from any from anyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. This is what I'm saying. Um, you know, if it works, it works. You know what I mean? I'll, you know, come to my academy or we'll, we'll get at it and I'll show you that it works. You know what I mean? So I think, um, yeah, in some ways I did with my jiu-jitsu. I thought I need the experience. I need to say I've done that before I can sort of comment. You know, you, you know, must know what it's like, you know, when you compete. And um, I remember when I got uh, asked to fight Polaris the first time. Obviously, Polaris being, you know, the goal. It's one of the biggest shows, you know, in Europe now. And um, I fight naturally. I fight at 70 kilos. Okay, so I'm always a featherweight, uh, and I, I got the chance to fight Sean McDonough. And Sean McDonough is, is at 25, 26, a middleweight, and Sean's a killer. Sean's brilliant. I love his mm. jiu-jitsu. I love him. He's a, he's a really nice guy, and uh, I couldn't turn it down. I was like, yeah, I'll fight Sean. No worries. You know what I mean? And um, you know, and, and uh, we had a great fight. with really, really uh, fast-paced fight, about six events. And I um, I went for an inverted toe hold, and I left my leg hanging stupidly. And uh, Sean caught me with a toehold. Beautiful, beautiful toehold. Beat me fair and square. And I had, um, I was walked out to go go buy him a beer after the fight in the crowd. And someone said to me, oh man, you should have done this. You should have done that. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> when I'm fighting a world class. Yeah, thanks, man. I went, yeah, cheers, buddy. Here, yeah, I'm fighting on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit. Why would, why would you call to me? Why would you shout? Man, you should I, be I there next to, time. I said, go said, yeah. And I said to him, I said, oh, you know, uh, when's the last time you competed? Oh, um, I've never competed. I've been training three weeks. You, you've come, you've paid to come to the O2 to watch high level black belts fight, and you're trying to tell me, yeah, okay, mate, fair play to you. I'll see you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. <laughs> I feel where the real, I don't know, the blurred lines have to come from is the whole concept of it being an art and the word should and these definitive yeah. kind of ultimatums that you should and shouldn't do things. I think the word should, yeah. you can, you could, you should, you not, you, sh you shouldn't have to, but here is something yeah. you could do. There's meant to be interpretation. Yes. Like this is why people got their own games because there's a criteria yeah. of information and you can pick and choose what works or what doesn't. To send and say you should exactly. do this means like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I like the way you, you've said that, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people are game. People, people are different and people, I believe um, your jiu-jitsu is a reflection of your personality. Okay, some people are quite serious, uh, ser <laughs> serious <My> characters. <laughs> they take they take um, things very seriously. I even at thirty seven now, I like to fuck around. I like to mess with mess with my mates, play jokes, and this is why my juice is quite flamboyant. I like flying submissions. I will dive for stuff. I will give up position to try a crazy sub, just because of my personality, you know. And I've seen it with a lot of my friends that. A lot of them are the same as me. They're just freaking off the red. They like to have a good laugh and they're just crazy with it. But I've got also friends who are a bit more seriously and take things 
uh, a bit more seriously in life and their game is uh, sort of just technical and slower. So uh, like you said, like it's, it's jiu-jitsu, you know, it all depends on your game and your personality and how you like to do it. I like my jiu-jitsu to be entertaining. You know what I mean? I think um, one of my prime examples of that is when I had the privilege of fighting Brad Pickett on Battle Grapple. And, um, you know, obviously my, my, my grappling is, is more advanced than Brad. Brad's a fucking absolute killer. You know, his wrestling is incredible. And he's one of the nicest blokes I've ever met. And I've learned a lot. Oh, mate, he's a legend. And I've learned so much from him since we fought. He come and trained me a few times. I think his brain is about his wrestling and stuff. So when I went into that fight, all I had it in my head was, I'm going to try and out-wrestle him. Because if I can out-wrestle Brad Pickett, I can out-wrestle anyone in my, own, in my weight class. You know what I mean? I think I Because I respect his wrestling so much. Uh, and obviously our fight went to a draw, but I put Brad on his butt as much as he put me on my butt. And I hit the first takedown as well, you know, and um, I had a few private messages of other grapplers after that. Oh, why didn't you just sit down and try and leg lock him for 10 minutes? Is that because it's boring? He's a wrestler. He's, he's MMA royalty. Why, why? He's not a leg locker himself. I wanted to try and out wrestle someone that I know was better than me at it. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't bothered about it being a draw, you know, um, it was more, what hurt me more is why didn't you just sit down and try and leg lock him? Because chances are I probably would have caught his ankle. But it's to me, it's sort of like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it, was, it was fun to wrestle a guy that has got far more superior wrestling than me. And then it just lets me know after that fight where I am. You know what I mean? And it was it was nice. It was a, it was a good fight that was. I enjoyed that one. Well, that's a huge part of it as well. Like, if you were to ask yourself, what would be more rewarding, getting a leg lock within a minute against Brad Pickett or taking him down once, like, completely? Like, you'd take, you know, yeah. the, the, the harder... I take... thing that's more meaningful, less expedient as such. I've been ripping off Jordan Peterson for the last how many podcasts. I've been obsessed with that book. But this whole thing about what's meaningful, not expedient, this thing of like, this is what you're competing for and the match-to-match kind of progress is more important than the end result in itself and the way you develop as a grappler. And one thing I really want yeah. to pick your brain about is your mentality of taking grappling matches in post-MMA fights and how you treat the winning and the losing and the preparation and how serious you take the whole situation. Um, I think if you're, in my opinion, uh, grappling MMA, I take, I take the same way. You know, if you're going to sign up and to fight someone, and again, like I say, a grappling fight or MMA fight, regardless of the punches and the kicking, you have to commit 100%. I hate, I hate people that sort of half-ass stuff and they talk a good game, but they're not willing to put in the work. I, I will, you know, my, my, my jiu-jitsu is not the greatest, it's effective, but one thing I will I will give myself credit for, and I don't credit myself a lot, and my, my, my biggest critic is I've got a good work ethic, man. I can work and work and work because I enjoy doing it, you know what I mean? I can just train and train and train and train and train and train and train. So if I was to sign my mental prep for sort of, you know, a grappling fight and an MMA fight, it's pretty much the same, man. I'm just going to go out there and give it everything I've got. I'm not afraid of losing. This is why I've been complimented by people. You'll just fight anyone. Well, why not? At the end of the day, when, when I slow down, uh, I mean, you look at the last two years, you know, I'm, I'm 37 now. Um, I shouldn't be really fighting the people I'm fighting. I've had the privilege of fighting Ashley Williams, Camille Wilk, Frank Rosenfall. You know what I mean? All these world-class grapplers. There's not many people that can say they've done that. You know what I mean? I turn around and say, yeah, I fought him. I fought him. I fought him. I've been in with the best of them. The only thing uh, that, that always worries me, it's not the losing, is, is not performing the way I know I can. I hate that. I hate it. When I fought um, Kev Corkill, 
on a grapple fest. I, I won a decision, you know, I had him in a real, real nasty knee bar towards the end. And I, and you know I mean? I watched the video back a, a few weeks ago and his hand was up to tap and I let go way too early, you know, he, and um, but I didn't perform in that fight. Uh, he frustrated me the way he moved and the way he inverted and stuff like that was quite frustrating. You know, he's a good grappler and it threw me off my game. And, and that's what I hate. That's the, the mental side of things I hate. I, I don't mind losing, but I don't I want to lose to someone who's better than me and not to myself, if you understand that, you know? Well, this is a different sort of issue, really, isn't it? Because the whole thing of well, winning and winning and losing are different conversations to performance. And again, if you just yeah. submit some sort of journeyman like straight away, I mean, you've won your fight, but what does that mean? And if you lose to someone better than you, yeah. that's not really the point. Depends on how you, the match actually went. And one thing I want to really yeah. get into a bit more, I think it's quite interesting, is the way you were saying initially at the start about moving the goalposts so you can have the validation to then have an opinion. And then you're saying about being your own worst self-critic. And then again, when it comes to this performance and everything else, do you feel, how how are you with yourself? You sound like you're not your best, biggest fan at the best of times. It sounds like quite <laughs> self-depreciative, really. Uh, maybe, I, maybe it's because um, I don't want to sound arrogant. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just something that, that, that I do. I, I When I finish training, sometimes I'll, I will go back when I get home. So I don't live far from the academy, obviously. I live, basically live at the academy. I'll always I'll always try and, I don't know, it's just maybe a, I've been like it since I was a kid. I'll always pick out what went wrong that night. Why wasn't that effective enough on this person? That worked yesterday. Why isn't working today? You know what I mean? I'll always find, because um, it drives me. In some ways, it helps sperm to go, okay, tomorrow I want to go back and that move is going to work. And I catch the timing on that or a certain grip on, on, on the move that wasn't working. Um, you know, um, I don't want to be one of those people who thinks I'm the uh, big I am, I can do this, I can do that. You know, I've been here and I've, I've been there. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my accomplishments, man. Like, um, I've, I've accomplished a lot in jiu-jitsu uh, and I did well in MMA as well. You know, I went from fighting in front of uh, 200 people in a dingy... Um, Leicester Center to the Barclay Card Arena in front of six, seven thousand people. You know, it's uh, there's not a lot of people that I <laughs> that can do, have done that. You know, and it's it's been a good journey. But in my eyes, there's always room for improvement, man. I, I always want to get better. Um, you know, especially with the sort of opponents that I have to fight. I mean, I think my biggest one of my biggest learning curve was uh, when I fought Ashley Williams. You know, I've managed to, I've had the privilege to fight Ash twice now, and we've become quite good friends. I talk to Ash a lot, and he's you know I look up to him even though he's like ten years younger than me. And um, sort of levels to jiu-jitsu. And um, I fought Ash uh, on, I think it was like 14 hours notice on Grapple Fest. I was supposed to find um, Neil Atkins. I was all prepped for that. And then I get a phone call uh, about seven hours from about to drive to Liverpool. And uh, Chris says, look, um, Neil's going to fight Spencer Hewitt. Do you want to fight Ashley Williams? Because no one else will. And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's Ashley Williams. I'm not going to turn that down. Yeah, I'm on my way. <laughs> and, um, you know, and... and, and Ash got my back like, after like two and a half minutes. We had some good wrestling exchanges. And uh, he had my back until the very end of the fight. And he didn't finish me. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't quit. And, um, you know, and I talked to him about the fight and afterwards. And you just realise that there's, there's always, like I said, there's always someone better than you. And uh, Ash, Ash Williams is sort of the level that I, I want to be. You know what I mean? Um, he's In my eyes, he is the best featherweight uh, in Europe at the moment, um, without a shadow of doubt. And I know he's a lot younger than me, but he's who I sort of inspire, aspire to be like as good as him. So I always criticize myself and go, right, he's doing this. He's beating that person. I haven't. I've lost to that person. What's he doing right that I'm doing wrong? You see what I mean? So I use them sort of things to drive drive myself 
to get better at what I do and what I love, which is obviously jiu-jitsu. I mean, with that, again, there's so much to all go into, and so shout Ash Williams, my podcast with him will be released soon, probably before this one comes out, so a shameless plug. Yeah. Um, just drop it in there. <laughs> um, again, it is really interesting, again, the way you're, I don't know, attributing value and the certain things of, I don't know, aiming so high and everything else. And when it comes to your, I don't know, reference points, so you've got the goalposts as such, your sort of points of validation, your yeah. sort of peaks to sort of get to, and this is like a tangible accomplishment. Do you feel you've got that list do you, do you feel fulfilled in jiu-jitsu like if you were to say do you know what I hang up my gi and my no-gi shorts like tomorrow i'd be fulfilled with what i've achieved or is it a case of searching for that final fulfillment as such no nah, i've got no I, I wouldn't be achieved my man i i want to i will compete until my body won't let me know more i'm not going to be one of these um black belts that goes you know what i'm a black belt that's it for me i'm, I'm done nah i think you get your black belt you start again and uh, that's the time to prove yourself, man. I mean, you're fighting the best guys in jiu-jitsu. You, you know, unless you're Mickey Mouse, you don't get a black belt for nothing. You know, and um, this is why it baffles me when people turn down the fights with people like Ashley Williams, Camille Wilk, Frank Rosenfall, all these killers. They're like, oh, no, I don't want to fight. Why? Why not? I don't get it. You know, the worst thing to happen is you're going to lose. But I'm telling you now, you get to speak to these people, uh, befriend these people and talk to these people. You know, I've learned so much from Ashley Williams since we fought. It's, it's, it's mad, you know, and then I use that jiu-jitsu now. So when I'm fighting guy, other guys, um, it makes me better. You know I mean? I think um, I took a lot of what I learned uh, from Ashley and I used it against Marco Canna. And Marco, Marco's a killer. You know, when I first started jiu-jitsu, I, I looked up to him. I was that black, but oh my God, that's Marco Canna. You know, I watched him beat my own instructor twice. You know, I've seen him uh, beat Andy twice. And I got offered the fight Marco last summer. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fight Marco Canna. I'm a hero and I ended up hill hooking Marco in sort of like three minutes and winning and I, I still can't believe it to this day you know but um, it, that's just uh, sort of learning from all these high level guys who had the privilege of fighting from man I'll, I'll always go away from a fight win lose draw whatever learning something and then using it you know so no I've got a lot of things I want to do man I, I want to uh, you know obviously before lockdown I'll schedule to fight Polaris again I want to yeah obviously improve I, I want my, making a run for the grapple fest featherweight belt and i want to fight um someone more you know really prestigious you know someone like one of the meows uh, one of the Batulu brothers um you know joe martinez i want to fight someone that is world world class you know like i said ash is there you know and i fought ash twice but fighting someone like that is is where i want to be that, that's what i'm looking for now where i was sort of asking these questions from again when it comes to sort of goal setting and then achieving things it's always an interesting mm -hmm. way how people sort of, I don't know, attribute things. Because some people sort of take rinse and repeat as a bit of a given of, okay, I have a match, I have a comp, I have a fight, whatever. And then, you know, rinse and repeat, another camp or whatever, and I'll do another one and so on and so forth. But it's interesting your goal isn't necessarily set in stone, which I think is really healthy, I feel. And when it comes mm -hmm. to, I want ADCC or, or bust, and then that's the end of me. Whereas you've got, you know what, I want to <laughs> aim to this level. I want to keep it get going up to this certain this tra this trajectory. Yeah. I can never say that word, it always gets sort of. <laughs> but again that constant like okay if it be a meow then it would be so and so then it would be i don't know a ryan and it'd be a rod and so on and so forth go down the alphabet why not yeah. and then <laughs> you just contribute this don't <laughs> know, the better experiences now when it comes to your training and preparing for these events themselves what does your training look like in that sense is it a case of going to class as normal is it a lot of specific training around that is it what, what is a normal 
you treat like um, a camp? Or how, what's your process like when you have a match like this booked? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm one of these people in a lot of MMA size. I, I'm always ready just in case they get asked to fight on short notice. I mean, the second time I, I fought on Polaris and I fought and beat Ben Robson, uh, they asked me to do that over a week's notice. And I wasn't really training. I, I mean, I was, I was in good shape, you know, and, um, and uh, we went the distance and I wanted the 10 minute decision on that. Uh, so from then, I, I mean, I'm at Andy's from six in the morning until like nine at night some days. You know, I think in the last 11 years, this three months we've been locked down is the most my wife's seen me in 11 years. <laughs> I, I eat, sleep and breathe it, man. Like I said, I, 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 um, I used to work in the gym and I quit my job in November and I started working at Andy's full time, sort of PT and Jiu-Jitsu and teaching more classes for Andy um, in November. So I, I try and train as much as I can, man. So t- say a typical Monday for me would be I get to the academy uh, for six in the morning, I PT till about nine. I do my SNC. I'll teach the day class at one o'clock, and I'll roll in the day class um, until two thirty. I'll go home at two thirty, do the school run for the kids, help my missus with the dinner, and I'll be back at the academy for five. And we've got specific nogi comp classes, which are all ADCC rules, so hill hooks and everything. So it'd just be a room full of uh, black belts, high level purple belts, and brown belts, all trying to kill each other. And this is uh, what we do: is we do half hour wrestling rounds, so short three minute wrestling rounds, uh, and then we do half hour full rounds, just bang straight away. No, so no rest. Just we're going and we're going and going. And then I'll teach the beginners class straight after that, and then teach an advanced class straight after that, and I'll roll again in the advanced class. And I pretty much repeat that every day. Saturday is probably my my um, day I rest a bit more. I'll go down and I do the leg lock class in the morning, half eight till ten. I teach the MMA until uh, 12 and then that'd be it. I won't train again till Monday. I always have Sunday off. But, um, you know, we've got a good group of guys down Andy's. You know, I'm always at the end of a phone. People ring me up and say, are we up to? Do you fancy getting some rounds in? Yeah, man, I'll meet you down to the academy and we'll get rolling. You know, so yeah, I'm always doing something. There's always, I'm always rolling or learning. And, you know, I do a lot of, um, I, I, I don't just obviously, you know, being a black belt, think that, okay, I've got, I can stop learning. I, um, I, I travel to London a lot. I train with a lot of guys in London. I still pay for PT, so I have other black belts as well. You know, just other black belts I've seen competing on court. I've not seen that before. I want the details on that. You know what I mean? I won't just sort of search a video and go, oh, yeah, that's roughly what he was doing. I like to feel the move being done to me and think to myself, you know, how would I would get out of that? What can I add to that? You know, and, and, and get it from them. So, you know, I, I look at myself like a, I'm still a white belt. I'm still learning. I'm still training. And I just try and train as much as I can, man. I'm just, I'm just obsessed with it. <laughs> I love it. And that's why this, uh, this three months has been freaking hell. <laughs> with that in itself, and what, what I want to get into then is your sort of pr- progress and development in that in itself. Because again, it seems quite exhausting that Monday to Friday kind of burning out, doing everything, and the weekend kind of recovering. Like, regardless of the structure of the sessions themselves and the cri- things you're learning in your own development. How structured is that? Does Andy yeah. plan that for you as such? What's on the curriculum? Or is it a case of you doing no, in advance? What's your uh, plan? You know, I, I do, um, uh, I do, I basically learn from a class sort of once a week and that'd be uh, the Hillwood class on a Saturday. It's a class that I don't take or te- I don't teach myself. I go as a student. Okay, so I'll go to that class as a student. I'll do the normal sort of warm up, do the, do the techniques and then roll. So uh, I've got a, a good group of guys, seven or eight guys that I train really closely with. Uh, a lot of them corner me. They're like, they're like brothers to me. Um, and they really push me. In all, they've all got their own certain niche. You know, I mean, some are leg lockers, some just out and out great grapplers. And I will spend, you know, hours and hours every day with these people. I'm going to be rolling, 
drilling techniques and learning. And like, like I said, I'll make a few trips to London uh, throughout the month to go and learn from other black belts. So David Anuma has been a big help uh, up at North 12 in London. I go see him, man, that man's jiu-jitsu knowledge is crazy, you know, and um, we'll catch, we'll, we'll roll and um, he'll show me some stuff. I'll show him some leg lock stuff. And, uh, and we just go from there. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm always trying to learn. Uh, you know, I do some of Andy's classes a week. Um, Andy's not there as, as much at the moment. He's been very, very busy with uh, his doing all that, his tactical stuff with the army, which he's been really successful with. So it gives me the opportunity, which he's given me, which is really nice uh, to teach a lot more, which I love. I love teaching. I love helping people. So, um, yeah, man, it's just um, I, I get my learning in, you know, through like I said, I'll learn from anyone. I've got guys that train at other places, other people, guys that come in, you know, I've had Brad's after me and Brad fought. Brad's come down the, the um, academy a load of times to wrestle with me and roll with me and stuff like that. Phil Harris, another former UFC mm -hmm. fighter from uh, Jim one in Portsmouth, he comes down, uh, you know, bring some of his guys with him and stuff. So yeah, man, we've got, a, it's, it's a good team. We've got a good bunch of people there and stuff. And um, yeah, it's good, man. It's good fun. When it comes to your teaching, your learning, how would you like to do it in a sense? Is it more, build a, a foundation and then keep on topping that up is it a case of building a structure and then trying to work from there onwards what's your ideal preference in how you teach people? so how how i do it is um andy's we've got quite a few uh, different black belts and we'll like i said we're all different personalities and we do things differently um and we've all got different games there's some big guys some i'm the smallest black belt there you know you've got guys that roll differently and like to do things differently for my classes uh, that i teach like I teach all day on a monday and stuff a uh, tuesday and a wednesday and then for, uh, PT throughout the week is um, I'll always have like a theme of the month. I, I don't like going to a class and you get shown this one move and the next week you're in a completely different position. So like, well, hold on, where can I go? Um, I like that move we did last week. Where can I go from there? So I'll, so I'll pick um, for my beginners classes, you know, it basically would be like mount. So we'll do two weeks of mount attacks and two weeks of mount escapes and they let them go off and play with that. And then we'll come revisit it, you know, so many months down the line after we looked at other positions. It'd be the same with my... Um, um, advanced class uh, just before we got locked down I was looking at Keenan's gubber guard and his lapel guard and stuff like that you know we started with basic with that uh, and um, as he you know uh, I've got a friend of mine that um, went off and used the gubber guard for the first time of competition and ended up submitting both guys his division and winning gold you know what I mean um, but I, I like to keep it um, fairly structured you know just uh, a bit of repetitiveness over the coming weeks and it keeps people interested you know it keeps me thinking oh I want, I've got to go back today's class so i don't want to miss a session because i'll be let i'll miss i'll miss a move or a defense to a move you know what i mean so uh, i i learned that way i found it easier to just uh, i take an area and i'll build it i'm building it i'm building it you know i think that's helped my um jiu-jitsu over the last uh, 11 years is that bit of structure you know if it's something i'm interested in i'll stick to it i remember when i was um a uh, purple belt and i wanted to be uh, good at straight footlocks just a straight footlock obviously prepping for your brown belt where you can do toe holds and knee bars and uh, I spent six months, man. I'm not joking. You six months. And all I would, and this is crazy. But all I allowed myself to do is a straight footlock, straight footlocks. I learned how to do them from everywhere, every sort of guard, how to get out and how to defend them. You got to the point where some of my training partners were saying, "Jay, fuck off and do something different." I'm sick of you attacking my fucking ankle all the time. But I stuck with it, you know. And um, and it's benefited now. Now, now that heel hooks are the big thing and leg locks are huge. And, um, you know, like everybody should be learning them, I think, regardless of grade. Um, it has helped my leg lock game, you know, no end. Now, again, there's so much to go into with that sense. So let's... Um, <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, no, don't, don't apologise, mate. It's so interesting. So when it comes to your... So you've got the structure. When it comes to the drilling side of it, 
and yes the sy- systemic of learning as well because again the amount of variables when it comes to jiu-jitsu say if you show an armbar from guard for example the amount of counters yeah. defenses intricacies and details mm-hmm. how do you find i don't know keeping it applicable because again if you show it from quite a rigid sort of stable position that's a very specific area to sort of go over as such if you see what i mean yeah yeah i think it's um it's uh, breaking down a move of you know say say if I say if I am looking at an armbar from close guard, is uh, it's breaking down. It's not just uh, showing the armbar from close guard. It's how to pull guard, how to jump guard. How do you get to that business to execute set move? So how I will teach a class? Say if you, you said to me, Jay, I want to learn an armbar from close guard. I'm like, okay, no worries. I will show you how to jump guard correctly or pull guard correctly first. Apply the armbar, and I sometimes give the students a a, a sort of a choice. You know. Do you want a defense to that armbar or a what if, what if from that armbar? You know, as an instructor, you get that kind of, what if I did this? What if you did that? What if you did this? I love a what if, you know what I mean? I think it's great when people are asking this, what if I do this? So I'll give people the option of that, you know what I mean? So, you know, someone can have it in their head, okay, when I roll later on, I'm going to jump guard, attempt this armbar and see what my opponent does. And nine times out of 10, they'll pull off one of the what ifs that I answered in class and they'll be able to catch them the counter from that and just build from there. This is why I say like, I'll do it for a period of time, say six weeks on a certain area, so people are coming in week in, week out, and they're like, oh, there's, there's that number move number one, and I've got two, three, four, five, and six moves from that one move. And this is the thing with jiu-jitsu, isn't it, man? It's just the, that continuously doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it, you know? And that's why it takes so many years of dedication to get to like a level where you can go, like, okay, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. Just practice, 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 man. That's why I, I like to repeat a lot of stuff, you know? Now, with that point in itself, it takes me quite nice to this sort of point as well, that you're sort of talking about the sort of nuances and those sort of details there and all the what-ifs and all the very specific areas because we could do the same technique and it'll be different. Everyone does it in certain ways and this sort of details. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the actual grading system in jiu-jitsu because of how much... <laughs> How open it is to then apply a very close system to you have this belt rank how do you find having a physical rank instead of yeah. i don't know an open-ended kind of spectrum as such yeah i mean that's a difficult one i mean you're going to have that in all in all, all sort of martial arts i think i think um you know when i was when i was uh, way back back in 2009 when i was pushing for my blue belt and um you know uh, I wanted to be a blue belt. I thought blue belts I roll with and stuff. And uh, I had a friend say to me, like, you know, uh, what kind of blue belt do you want to be? And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you know, there's blue belts and then there's blue belts. And I was like, I didn't quite get that until I got, you know, further in through the ranks, purple belt, brown belt. And you realize, you know, I train at a lot of different academies and you can roll with other purple belts, uh, other black belts, I think, you know, I've got them, I can destroy this guy. And it's not because I'm better than him. It's just, did he get graded in a different way or has he been doing it as long as he's dedicated as me? Doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a black belt. Just means, you know, I train seven days a week, he trains four days a week. You know, it's a, it's a very, there's, the, the scope of skill level is not always dictated by your belt. Like I think over the last three or four years, that's been proven more and more when you're seeing purple belts tapping out high level black belts in competition with heel hooks and leg locks because the black belt believes I don't need to know how to heel hook and that because it's not going to happen to me. But that's bollocks because I've seen it day in, day out, man. I've seen it day in, day out. Purple belts destroying black belts with leg locks, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't know. When when we get graded at Andy's, Andy's is very, very sort of strict with his grading. You don't really get anything for free with Andy. You know, I was a white belt for um, I think 19, 19 months. I was a white belt. And I, I, I was training, man. I was training so, so hard. And the amount of times I thought I was going to get a blue belt, nah, nah, 
nah <laughs> but you know I, I kept going you know and um like i said i didn't i for me personally and like i said it's, all, it's everyone's individual journey when i got my black belt i knew i was a black belt but i wanted to be a, a competitive black belt and that's what i'm that's what i work towards you know it's being a um a competitive black belt i don't just want to be a club black belt where you know you turn up four days a week for 10 years and okay john's been doing that he, he he's dedicated he's your black belt john for commitment no i want people to roll me yeah shit jay is a freaking legit black belt you know that's what i wanted but that's just me personally so other people got different opinions on it you know but for me yeah you know your skill level's got to pay pay a big big factor in your belt and i also think attitude you know you've got to have a good attitude to, uh, to progress in jiu-jitsu i hate people just demand stuff or think they deserve stuff because they can tap certain people out and that sort of stuff you know it doesn't work like that you know so it's a hard road but it's a good one man now i mean it's a slightly different answer to what i was expecting because what i was really getting at was more the criteria itself and it was the principles behind it because when it comes yeah. to a certain skill level that's spurious at the best of times as to what means what and i was yeah. like jiu-jitsu logic of oh you can tap him but he can tap you and so on and so forth no more in the sense of yeah. say if you've got a really developed guard but you haven't got guard passing you've got a good side control but you haven't got a good mount and this sort of these levels are all over the place and how can you then call them the same level of grading that kind of thing and in the same sense yeah. of the beauty of it is almost it's hindrance and it comes to regulating it you see what i mean mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 i mean it's difficult isn't it you know like I said, obviously with certain grades, there's a, there's there's a lot of criteria out there. Some some academies follow like a, a syllabus, don't they? Like mm. you have to know this to be here, you have Academies. to know that. Well, you know, anyone could you know, get that list and go, yeah, I can pull a sweep off from Delahiva, but can you pull it in life sparring? Have you been drilling it long enough? Have you been playing with it long enough to deserve your purple belt or brown belt sort of thing? You know, so I think um, yeah, with jujitsu, it can be can be very difficult. You know, and there are, I think there are certain things you should know before you move on to another belt, of course. You know, like white belts, they should be able to escape from mount, they should be able to escape from side control. You know, they should be able to, you know, escape, 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 and have certain basic attacks. But um, I think a time factor as well, you know, with our academy, you, you, you're, you're a blue belt a minimum of two years, minimum. You know, I mean, you don't get, it doesn't matter how good you are, what you know, who, you, who you're beating. Yeah, you know, you got that stamp on your belt. That's it. You're on there for two years, man. And then, then, then Andy will look at you and think, ah, are they a purple level yet? If not, they're not. You know what I mean? So we, we follow that, Andy, sort of time limits and stuff. Um, but yeah, it is difficult, man. Difficult in that respect. Oh, 100%. That's why I wanted your specific opinion on it, obviously, being through various things, as well as being your own self critic in certain points. You're trying to get your own validation before anyone else is on top of that. And on top of this yeah. whole sort of concept in itself. How would you like to build up your students? Say your white belts, day one beginners. How do you find giving them a structure, but also letting them be creative and start from the right reference point? You see, I mean, because if they all start doing like the carbon copy yeah. things of doing the same things, when do they develop their own style? <laughs> yeah, I oh, do you know why. Like I said to you before, I, I think your jiu-jitsu is uh, reflective of your personality, and I let people, I let people go. You know, what I mean, I, 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 I have certain uh, white belts that will do. I expect certain things, like I said. You know, you. You're not going to get a blue belt if you can't escape mount. You know, I mean, these sort of things, fundamentals, you know, obviously coming from uh, Roger, you know, RGA, Roger's very sort of fundamental orientated, you know, and, and it works, you know. So as a lower grade, yeah, you've got to have these sort of um, basic skill stuff, but uh, you do you, you know, you if, if it works for you, do it. You know, if you've tapped out 10 guys with a move that you, you use as a bit, you know, okay, I haven't really learned that, but it works for me, keep doing it because it works. Our end goal is to obviously get better and tap people. And if you're doing it with that particular move, 
more power to you. You know, I, I like uh, my guys just to enjoy their jiu-jitsu, man. If they're enjoying it, they're turning up every week, they're training hard, um, they progress, man, and, and, and they do, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah, so that's, so that's the sort of thing I would do with my, my lower grades, you know, uh, obviously they follow the syllabus of the classes, but if they want to sort of uh, venture off and try new things and do that, more power to you, because at the end of the day, in our sport, uh, knowledge is power, you know, uh, the way I describe um, to my students, uh, Andy's and stuff is um, uh, if I'm going to war, okay, I'm going to war with a white belt, I'm going to roll with him. That white belt was coming to war with a potato gun and I'm coming to war with a nuclear warhead. I'm going to win. But every week and every month that, that um, white belt adds something new to his army, uh, an anti-aircraft gun, a jeep, a tank. And eventually they have their own, you know, and then you go heads to head. That's the best way of describing it because that's all it is, is. The only reason that I beat white, blue and purple belts and brown belts and other black belts is, is simply down to knowledge. At that point, I knew more than that person. You know, I'm not athletic. I'm not, you know, I'll be 38 in February. I'm not as young as I used to be. You know, yeah, I can still beat men that are 26, 27 and that are world-class. It's only because of my experience in my eyes. Because I can't, I definitely can't outpace them at my age. <laughs> you know, it's all about experience, man. But I just know more than you at this point. You know, I'll put you into a point where you, you've gone, okay, I've seen that, I've seen that. what the hell's that wallop, you know, and, and, and that's what it's about. So, yeah, so, you know, just experience, but I'll definitely let my guys have fun with it, man. If they want to experiment, yeah, definitely. You, you go off and do that. Well, I think it's really interesting as well. It's not just the knowledge itself, it's the application. Because, again, when you have, yeah. you, can, you can know what you want, but when it comes to, when push comes to shove, being able to do it, like you, like prime mm. example, you're saying there about escaping mount. Like you, t you can tell many people how to escape mount. Show all the techniques you want. You get Roger Gracie mounting you. You know what to do. <laughs> That's yeah. as well, you, man. You tell me it works. <laughs> you tell me you don't. You tell me how you can apply your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. But knowledge of the move, experience of using the move. I will add in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're hundred percent right. Yeah, and having Roger mount you, man, is not a, process, <laughs> a nice experience. Let me tell you that. It's like someone's oh, uh, just turned off the lights in the room and left you in the dark. It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, that's where it gets so interesting with regards to the application at the further levels. Because at that point, you're getting tested and further and further. And this is where it's so interesting, the way you're continuously pushing yourself to keep on getting that yeah. finer detail. Like, say if you take, I don't know, a white belt competition, you do a technique, you have 50% mm -hmm. room for error. If you have 50% correct, you'll get away with it. Then blue, say 60%, and then 70 and 80 and so on and so forth. Then it gets the smaller percentage, the higher levels. And then you start refining your skill set to make it applicable at that point. This is where you keep yeah. on developing to that degree. Now, when it comes to your competitions versus training, what are you like on the day itself? Do you psych yourself up? Do you try and emulate something you do in training? Or is it a case of just say how you are on the day? No, it's weird. Like I said, like I, said I can be my own worst critic. Um, I try to have fun with it, man. I'll always, um, I'll always have good people around me that make me happy. You know, I've got a couple of cornermen that are like very close friends of mine, uh, a couple of purple belts and uh, a few blue belts and stuff. And um, uh, they, they've come to me to every event. They're always in my corner. You know, you watch videos of my fights. You always see uh, Gareth, Connor, Cam, Tom or GK, or one of these boys in my corner. Um, because they, they calm me down. And I like, like I said, I like to fuck around a lot. So when I'm warming up, um, you know, backstage, I like to have music on. I'm dancing around. I'll be... You know, just uh, throwing up flying arm bars, flying triangles, bearing bowlers and stuff that's moving around. Just go with the flow, you know. And I try not to sort of be too tense, too uh, aggressive, too psych myself up too much. I, I go out there and slap hands, 
and you know the way I look at it is if it's it's no different to what I do every day. Just that there's people watching, and I'm fighting someone I've not fought before. You know, so I I, um, I just try and enjoy it as much as I can. I find I perform my best when I don't care and I and I fuck around more. I just go for whatever. If I go in thinking oh, I've got to beat this guy, I've got to beat this guy, I think too much. I'm always one step behind. I don't let my jiu-jitsu sort of flow. When I let it flow, I, I, I genuinely believe I can beat 90% of people in Europe if I let, when I let my jiu-jitsu flow. You know, I've proven that before. But it's times when I freeze up, that's when I get caught. You know, so, um, I, yeah, I don't suck myself up, man. I try to be as relaxed as I can and chill. When it comes to that as well, obviously being as self-critical as you are, how do you find not letting it be detrimental? Because, again, when it comes to you've got to be critical to be productive to then tidy things up, but... At what point you're like, oh no, I'm just too shit. I don't belong here. All this kind of stuff. To then, you know what? I put this work nah, in. I belong here. That's sort of, you know, knife edge of. Yeah, nah, man. I, I know where you're coming from, and I've been. I've, I've spoken about it before. Um, you know, I. Well, this sort of moment come real for me was uh, a couple of years ago. I was in on Polaris, and I was backstage, and I'm and I'm sitting in uh, a room with Craig Jones, Lachlan Giles, Bagner Rocha, Nicky Ryan, you know, uh, Dan Strauss. And we're all sitting on the floor after we all fought, um, sitting there with our medals on and some without. And we're all talking about jiu-jitsu and life in general. And and um, and I thought to myself, fucking hell, they're, I, I, they're speaking to me like I'm one of them. These are guys that like I class as world class. And they're, they're chatting to me like I'm I'm one of them. You know, and, and my, my best mate, one of my good friends with me, Gareth, he told me, I said, you are. He said, you're in this changing room for a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're sitting there with a Polaris gold medal around your neck for a reason. You obviously deserve to be here. So I use that, you know, when I get there, I'm obviously critical of myself when I'm training. I always want to be better. But when you get there and you sit in that changing room, you look around the quality and the sheer talent that's in that room. For me to be asked to be in that room, people must recognize my talent. And I use that. You know what I mean? I do deserve to be here because I wouldn't have been asked to be here in the first place. You know? I mean, again, that's a really interesting way of grounding yourself as such. Because when I say ground yourself, normally that comes from a place if you're too high up you need to be back, brought back down. But in case you're so under, you need to be brought back to where you actually are. In a sense of, yeah. I don't know, recalibrate almost. And when it comes to that as well, yeah. do you use that on the events themselves and say, do you know what, I belong in this specific bit? Or is it a case of, if I want to get further, I need to get past this next hurdle? What is your mindset on the day itself? Is it trying to switch off and treat it like an open mat? Or is it a case of, okay, my projection relies on this next thing itself? No, 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 I know what you mean. Uh, like I said, man, I try not to put, I like pressure is what killed my MMA career. That's what stopped me competing in MMA. Like I put too much pressure on myself and it was the be all and end all to me. Uh, with my jiu-jitsu, it's going to sound bad, but with my attitude, I don't care, man. I just want to go out and perform. I like, uh, like, what I aim for is I'd rather walk off that mat and someone go, fucking hell, Jay, that was an awesome fight. Or did you see that Jay Butler's fight the other day? The man's crazy. He, did, he tried this and tried that. Then, you know, yeah, that Jay Butler won by an armbar the other night again. You know what I mean? I, I like to entertain. I like people to be cheering. I like to gee the crowd up. I like to mess around when I'm doing it. So uh, the event to me now, it, it doesn't matter. Like I said, I, I fought in Polaris. I fought Grapple Fest, Battle Grapple, Pantheon, Ace Submission. Like, I, I can't, there's so many, man. And, and now they're all sort of blurring to one. I think they're all as good as each other. Um, you know, some have obviously got higher production value and, and that, but you know, when you sit backstage in Polaris and you sit backstage, uh, grapple fest, I mean, last grapple fest, I was, um, I was on, I was sitting there talking to Dante Leon for half the night, you know what I mean? And chilling with the Vatula brothers, you know, and it's sort of like, well, 
I'm, I'm part of this. I'm not saying I'm as good as these guys because <laughs> not yet, but you know, I deserve to be on the same stage as them guys. If you see what I mean. Well, that's so important to get to that level as well to sort of feel like you've earned your boots at that point, not feeling like imposter kind of way. Because a conversation with Ross Nichols having that kind of imposter syndrome kind of thing, when you get to this sort of level, it's that own validation as to where you get that from. And if you can get that yeah. from yourself, being as self-critical as you are, it means all that much more because. Oh, everyone's going to have that kind of like you know competitive arrogance of oh yeah i'm going to be the best in the world like everyone says that but what you believe in yourself and how you feel when no one's looking is a different conversation yeah yeah definitely man 100 percent. you know and um you know and 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 that's what i try to sort of instill into my head when i'm doing this you know like i said you know I've, i mean i fought ross three times you know and i know, I know how good ross is you know and, he, and again he's another character and i learned a lot from him you know, fighting him and his knowledge and he's given me advice on um, on stuff. I mean, the first time I fought him at Southeast Open, he um, he caught me with a, a really a really messed up hill hook. It was, it was incredible, hill hook. And this is how nice Ross is. We then went back to the bullpen and he decided to proceed to teach me what he just beat me up with. <laughs> you know, like, cheers, buddy. Thank you. But that, that, that's the character of the man, you know. And, and, and he, um, I'll never forget that event because he, he pretty much walked ground after he'd won our division, it was me, uh, a Brazilian guy, and Ross. I fought Ross in the first round and lost to Ross. So then I fought the Brazilian guy straight afterwards. See, so he would fight Ross again in the final. So um, uh, I lost to Ross by a heel hook. Then I beat the Brazilian guy by a heel hook. And I had to fight Ross again. And I lost again by a heel hook. So that was our division done. Okay, Ross was gold. I was silver. This Brazilian guy was bronze. And what, what really took me was then Ross went to this Brazilian guy and goes, oh, do you, want to have, do you want to fight? Do you want to compete against each other? And he's like, the division's done. You've won. He's like, yeah, I know. I just want to still compete and see how I get on with you. And Ross did it, beat him like he was nothing. And then he went on to like basically ask as many people as he could to fight. He didn't have to. He'd already won. He already got the gold medal. You know what I mean? And I said to him, why did you do that? And he said, it's, it's all experience, learning how to cope with that sort of body type, that sort of game. What's he going to do? What's this person going to do? And he and he just says he does that week in, week out. So competing to him now is just like rolling at the academy. So I've taken that and I, I try and do that as much as I can because it becomes the norm, yeah? You know, you don't think about uh, getting up and getting in your car in the morning and going to work, do you? Sometimes you don't even remember the journey home because you do it day in, day out. So this is why I try and compete as much as I can. It's no big thing. I'll actually sign fight contract after fight contract. I'll fight this weekend. I'll fight this weekend. I'll fight that weekend, you know, because it's just the same. It's the norm. What are you doing this weekend? I'll compete in, you know, and it becomes, you put less pressure on yourself. You can enjoy it more. And that's when I open up with my jiu-jitsu more as well. I mean, a lot of it, I feel, comes from the fear of the unknown. And that's really interesting in that kind of way of Ross is like, you know what? Ross, I'm here. Let's get a cue. <laughs> exactly. Here, let's get <laughs> then take up your follow-up ticket to find out uh, how I beat you and I'll break it down for you <laughs> yes yeah. oh, uh, yeah, he's he's brilliant man <laughs> <laughs> but you know and again as I was saying earlier on about um, about levels and Ross Nichols is yeah he's incredible man and, like, he's a great bloke as well you know all these top level guys are nice you know and, and the worst part Ross is just, yeah <laughs> No, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I've, I've fought him three times and I've, I've trained with him uh, a load of times as well. And, um, yeah, he's just so good, man. And, and and I like that. I like when I lose to these guys because it, it inspires me to then train and think, how is he that good? I want to be that good. And that's why I'll just keep going back to the gym and getting better and better and seek out these people to train with, you know. 
Um, I don't just stick to obviously training at Andy's. Like I said, I travel a lot. I go to London a lot and try and train with as many different people and people that are a lot better than me, you know, because you don't learn if you're, you're beating people up every day, you know? I mean, that's always an interesting concept as to where you've got your, I don't know, your A game. Like, say, take, for example, the Brad Pickett match you were talking about is that you have your A game of like the leg locks, for example, on the guard positions, but then you chose to proactively go into his strength and your B game, so to speak just to try yeah. and work on that in an area where he was more dominant. Even the fact on the yeah. day itself, you managed to get, I don't know what we would call it, but you know I mean? You, you managed to hold your own. And then it makes sense for you to keep that actually when it comes to going in these new environments. Because if you go in with your A game to, with people who you'd be on par with, I mean, that's, that's all right. But if you go with people who are specialists in certain areas and you go for that to see where your area is at that point, then you start building up yeah. the areas you need to. I mean, it's really interesting having that kind yeah. of mindset with it all. Where have you developed that from? Is that just something you picked up as you've gone along? Is it something Andy's instilled in you? What's, where's this uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, when you get, when you get, a, what's one of the first things you do when you get an opponent? Okay, you give them this name. You go straight on YouTube, go on Instagram, start stalking them. What are they good at? Oh, he's, he's a leg locker. This, that and the other. You know what I mean? So all you'll do for a month or so is train specifically for that person. So at the end of the day, it's like revising for an exam. You're revising for that exam. You're either going to pass or fail. You know what I mean? But then you, at least you know where you are. Oh, was I 80% there or was I 20% there? You see what I mean? So like I said, when I was going to fight Brad, I know Brad likes to wrestle. I thought I'm just going to wrestle for the last the next couple of months and see when I fight Brad, how my wrestling is. And my wrestling, like I said, I took him down just as much as he took me down. You know what I mean? And obviously on the ground, I had some good dominant positions. I mounted him past his guard and stuff like that, and Brad had a few good attacks on me. It was just a good, fun fight. But then I could walk away from that going, my wrestling has improved over these last couple of months because I've just wrestled with Brad Pickett. You know, so I use I like to use it like that. Well, that's a really interesting way of dealing with that as well because, again, it seems very much, when people describe how the matches were, it was good or bad, yes or no, very definitive. Whereas you've got more mm. of a more in-depth sort of breakdown of, okay, I didn't feel out of my depth. I know I didn't come up with the right result, but certain things I felt, you know, I was pretty much there or this, that, and the other. And you can break down a lot more. Okay, if I'm going to be critical anyway, I'm going to be more analytical as well. I'm going to give myself a sort yeah. of RPE, kind of like a rate perceived exertion in certain areas of, you know, I feel I was this percent. I felt this. I want to get to a point where I feel like that. And again, you can really develop in that mm -hmm. intricacies because you've got more data to work with. Because if you say, oh, I'm shit at leg yes. locks, what does that mean? Does that mean you're shit defending certain <laughs> positions? Does it mean you're shit at getting certain things? Yeah. Is that and the other mean? Tell me what a leg lock is. Like that term leg lock, that means it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big area, man. That's a exactly. big bloody area. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just um, it's just trying to get better, man. That's all, that's all, that's all it is. It's just, you just got to get better. Constantly training, constantly seek out new people, you know, and fight, fight the best. Never turn down fights with better people, ever. You know, it's not about your reputation, man. You know, it's about how good you can you can be and how good you want to be. And in my eyes, like I said, I've got a few people that, you know, that I want to be as good as. And then people like Ross and Ash Williams, you know, these guys are like the privilege of fighting. And they're world class. And I'm not there yet, but I, I'm that's what I'm going to be. I know I will be. I've got the determination and the work effort to do it. And I know I can. And I'll just keep going until I feel, yeah, okay, I'm on a par with these guys. I mean, be, I think you have to beat him enough times. You think, do you know what? You'll you'll be smashing them, and you'll be like, I think I'm good enough when you're already up here somewhere. You'll be like, okay. <laughs> just bring yourself so far down, thinking, you know what? With all your medals around your neck, thinking, I'm like, oh, am I even good at jujitsu? Thinking, 
like I said, man, um, I think for me is this. Um, I try and class myself as quite a humble person. I just don't want to come across, yeah, I could beat this guy. Yeah, I could do that. Oh, but you've beaten that guy, Jay. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it, it could have been better. I, I don't want to be arrogant or sound ever sound arrogant. You know what I mean? I, I, it's not a trait I like in people, um, myself personally. So I try and avoid avoid sort of trying to be arrogant myself. So maybe that's why I am sort of critical of myself sometimes when it comes to these things. I don't want, you know, to be big-headed. And I have beaten some big names, you know, and I have been in there with the best of them. Um, but, you know, in my eyes, that's it, great, but there's always room for improvement. I can always get better than I am, and that's that's all I'm going to keep doing, man, It's just getting better. I can't wait, cannot wait to get back to, to training when we're allowed to start rolling again and stuff like that. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to training. I'm going to sign up for as many competitions as I can, get back on the sub-only scene, and, and just keep going and going. And hopefully, like I said to you earlier on, uh, I would love to fight one of the Meow Brothers, Geo, you know, one of these guys. Uh, I'd love to see my face next to their face on a poster one day. That's that's the goal at the moment. I mean, there's no two ways about it. There's, it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. And now on the <laughs> subject of... I hope so, mate. Um, Jay, but where, where can people find you on the old social media? Uh, so uh, I, my, my sort of Facebook is more for my family, but my Instagram, uh, Jay Butler BJJ. You know, um, I post a lot of stuff up on my Instagram, a lot of stories, you know, obviously... Um, I've been through a lot over the last three months, not just with a lockdown from being diagnosed with cancer and beating cancer. You know, that's been a battle and uh, I've just got over that, you know. And um, But yeah, Joe Butler BJJ on Instagram, man. Give me a follow, you know. And um, I, I post up techniques, my fights and, and breakdowns and stuff on there, you know. So yeah, give us a follow. <laughs> awesome, that'll be in the description. Today's episode is brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout for 20% off on all products on maulermma.com.